Today on Adventures in Faith with Jerry Savelle. How can I know God's way? This book. This book. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews that Jesus perfectly expressed the will, the nature, and the character of God. So if you want to see how God does things, follow the ministry of Jesus. What you do first always matters to God. Look at somebody and tell them that. What do you do first always matters to God. Now, I want to read something to you that I read from a book uh, a long time ago. And I, I, I tried to find the book in my library, but I got so many books, I didn't have time to, to find it. But I, I wrote down something that I remembered him saying. It may not be verbatim, but it's very close because it made an impact on me a long time ago. And uh, I, uh, even though this is a man who wrote a book stating these principles, God stated them a long time before this man wrote the book. Amen. His name was Albert E.N. Gray. He was an official of the Prudential, Prudential Insurance Company of America. It says he spent his life searching for the one trait that all successful people share. His book released in around 1940 was entitled The Common Denominator of Success. And it revealed that successful people's common characteristic was not just hard work, even though that is important, but the one that seemed to transcend all, transcend all the rest was the habit of putting first things first. The habit of putting first things first. He observed that the successful person has the habit of doing what failures don't like to do. Let that sink in for a moment. He observed, now he spent his life studying this. He observed that the successful person has the habit of doing what failures don't like to do. He went on to say, even though successful people often don't like to do them either, but their disliking to do, doing them is subordinate to the strength of their purpose. And their purpose is to fulfill their goals. So even though they, they don't like doing them, that is subordinate to their desire to see results. How many of you want to see the results? Amen. There's, there's certain things that, that I don't like to do, but I know I need to do them if I want success. Amen. And I want success. I'm not in this to fail. Amen. I'm in this to, to fulfill what God has promised me and to give him honor for it as it happens. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? He went on to say that every single qualification for success is acquired through habit. The habit of doing what other people don't like doing. Amen. And the, the, the thing that he singled out was the habit of putting first things first. Now turn with me to the book of Haggai. 
chapter 1. The book of Haggai basically communicates this same message that this gentleman wrote in his book. Let's begin in chapter 1 and in verse 2. Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, These people say the time is not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Then, then came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses, and this house be waste, lie waste? Now therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Consider your ways. Say that with me. Consider your ways. Now say it this way. Consider my ways. It's never God's way. It's always our way that prevents us from experiencing God's best. Notice he says, you have sown much and bring in little. You eat, but you have not enough. You drink, but you're always, you're, you're not filled with drink. You clothe you, but there is none warm. And he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put it into a bag with holes. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Twice he made that statement. At the beginning of where they were in their lives at that beginning, he's saying the reason you're here is because of your ways. Then after he tells them, this is your condition. And once again, he says, and it's because of your ways. Now, the message translation says it this way. Take a good look at your life. Think it over. Take a good look at your life and think it over. So here we find in this little book, only a few chapters, that the people had begun to drift away from God and they lived with misplaced priorities. A lot of Christians are that way today. They live with misplaced priorities. Now, everybody wants to succeed, but you can't put success ahead of seeking God. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Everybody wants to succeed, and God wants you to succeed. But you can't put that ahead of your, your, your love for God and your seeking God. So here we find once again, the people had begun to drift away from God and they lived with misplaced priorities. Haggai was sent to them to help get their priorities back in line with where they should have been and what would have been pleasing to God. And he says, consider your ways. Now it may be something that you'll want to do this morning after hearing this message. Consider your ways. If things are not working the way they should work according to God's word, then there's nothing wrong with God's word. There's nothing wrong with God. Nothing wrong with the Holy Spirit. Nothing wrong with Jesus. Did I leave anybody out? It may be you. In fact, it is you. So he was sent to help them get their priorities back in line with where they should have been and what would be pleasing to God. So his message to them was simply this, put first things first. Put first things first. The temple had been destroyed by the Babylonian empire some 70 years earlier. And God had given the people the task of rebuilding the temple, but they kept putting it off. Instead, 
The Bible says that they built their own houses. They built uh, their own good houses and they left the house of God in ruin even though he had given them this assignment, rebuild the temple. And they kept saying, it's not time. It's not time. And so they went about pursuing their own dreams, their own desires, and their own wants and left the house of God in ruin. They kept saying, it's not time. And as a result, they suffered for their procrastination and for their uh, misplaced priorities. They were not experiencing the maximum and they certainly were not experiencing the highest level attainable. For the temple to lie in ruins was not only an indication that they were prone to procrastination, but it also indicated a neglect in worshiping God because the temple in those days was where you worshiped God. And so they're neglecting their worship of God. I've discovered and I've observed over the years, and I'm not a novice, I'm going into my 54th year of ministry. I've observed over the years that when you get sloppy in some things, you get sloppy in your relationship with God as well. Let me try this side of the auditorium. If you get sloppy in just the mundane things, the things you do every day, that's the reason why uh, I'm not condemning anybody. You do whatever you want to do. But that's the reason why I prefer to preach in a suit. Amen. Amen. And not jeans with holes in them. Amen. That's right. Now you do whatever you want to do. I'm not condemning anybody else. But if I get sloppy in the way I look, that could be an indication I'm getting sloppy in my relationship with God as well. I got better response on this side of the auditorium. And, and I get told quite often, Brother Jerry, you're old school. Well, if I am, leave me alone because it's working. It is working. Hallelujah. You don't hear me begging. You don't hear me pleading. You don't hear me saying we're about to go down the tubes. You don't hear me saying nothing's working. Hey, it's working, praise God. Amen. They got sloppy. And it, and it appeared or it, or it uh, uh, surfaced in their relationship with God as well. Notice, and I want to give you five different things that I have learned from reading the book of, of uh, Haggai. Five different principles. And let me say this first. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 11 from the message translation says, these all are warnings written down so we don't repeat their mistakes. Amen. The reason that we have this account in the book of Haggai is for our benefit, the Bible says, so that we don't repeat their mistakes. Now, five things, five principles that I've learned from the book of Haggai. Number one is stop making excuses 
for not putting first things first. Stop making excuses for not putting first things first. Number two, stop being selfish, thinking only of your wants and your desires. Are you writing these down? Stop being selfish, thinking of only your wants and your desires. Number three, take a good look at where you have put the things of God in your list of priorities. Take a good look at where you have put the things of God in your list of priorities. Number four, stop being the reason that your blessings are being blocked. Stop being the reason that your blessings are being blocked. And then number five, let God hold the highest place in your life now and forever. Let God hold the highest place in your life now and forever. Deuteronomy Deuteronomy chapter six, verse five from the message translation says, love God, your God with your whole heart. Love him with all that's in you. Love him with all you've got. So our greatest love and our deepest affection should be directed toward God. God told Abraham, the father of faith in Genesis 17, one from the message translation, or from the Amplified, rather, walk and live habitually before me. Walk and live habitually for me, meaning unending, unending, unceasing, not not seasonal, not just when everything's going well, but always, habitually. Can you say amen? amen? He said... Love God, your God, with your whole heart. Jesus made this statement in John 14, 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. The message translation says, if you love me, show it by doing what I've told you. Amen. Amen. In other words, he's saying, I I want more than just words. I appreciate you saying, I love you, but I want you to show me by doing what I've told you. Can you say amen? amen? Now, one of the major things that Jesus told us is found in Matthew 6, 33. And the Amplified Bible says, but seek, aim at, and strive after first of all his kingdom and his righteousness. And then the Amplified defines that as his way of doing and being right. So he tells us, if you love me, then do what I say, do what I've told you. And what I'm telling you is this, seek at, aim at, and strive after first of all, above everything else. I wrote some definitions here of the word first. It means in the foremost place, the highest or greatest of importance, ranking above all else, prominent. So he says, first of all, seek after my kingdom 
and my righteousness, and once again, the Amplified expounds upon that and says, his way of doing and being right. Say this with me. My first priority priority is to seek God, God, his kingdom, his His righteousness, his His way of doing, and his way of being right. Now, if you're going to do that, then obviously you're going to have to spend some time in the word to find out what is his way of doing things. Because the Bible says there is a way that seemeth right, but the end thereof is destruction. There is a way that seems right. I always like to say, if there is a way that seems right, therein there is a way that is right. And that's God's way. As I've said before, Brother Copeland said many, many years ago, he said, God's way is the right way. Amen. 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 But how can I know God's way? This book. This book. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews that Jesus perfectly expressed the will, the nature, and the character of God. So if you want to see how God does things, follow the ministry of Jesus. Can you say amen? Amen. Just follow the ministry of Jesus. You know, there there was a, 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 a phrase or a slogan or something years ago and uh, it was very popular for a time. What would Jesus do? You'd see it on billboards. You'd see it, you'd see it uh, uh, you know, in different places around the city. What would Jesus do? It was a, a campaign for some organization. That's still a good plan. What would Jesus do? What would he do to experience the maximum and the highest level attainable? Would you like to know? For additional messages by Jerry Savelle, write post office box 748. No, let's find out. Now remember, the theme of our message today is this. What we do first is a vital key to living in the maximum. What we do first is a vital key to living in the maximum. All right, now, Let's go to Genesis chapter one. If we're going to do first things first, let's start at the first. Genesis chapter one. Now, without taking the time to read a lot of these verses in Genesis chapter one, uh, let's just begin with verse 29. Well, let's back up to verse 26. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his image, in his image, in the image of God created he him, male and female, created he them. And God blessed them, empowered them to prosper. And God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And God said, now follow this verse very closely. 
And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed, which is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree in the earth, or in the which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed. To you it shall be for meat. Now notice, God empowered man to prosper by blessing him. That's what to be blessed means, to be empowered to prosper, okay? And then he said, now that I have empowered you to prosper, be fruitful. Be fruitful or successful. Amen? Amen. Have dominion. And then he said, and now the next thing I'm going to give you is seed. Seed. Notice we're talking about in the beginning. So this is God's way of doing He said, I'm giving you seed and for you, it shall be for meat. And there are other translations says for provision. Seed is for (coughs) provision. Amen. Amen. You plant seeds to provide. I was born on a farm in Mississippi and, and my grandfather farmed Uh, a lot of the acreage we had nearly 70 acres and he farmed a lot of it there was a there's a lot of hills in Vicksburg Mississippi and and our land was very hilly had gullies and streams and on part of it but there was an area that was real flat and that's where my grandfather planted every year and he called it the flat son let's go to the flat and I knew what that meant that's where we went to till the ground plant the seed And that's where we went to harvest the crop. Okay. So my grandfather bought that farm in 1927. 1927. Just before the Great Depression came. That's where my dad was raised. He was just a young boy when my grandfather bought that place. That's where I was born. And my grandfather planted every year and he expected a harvest every year and he would tell me so. Some were going to have a great harvest this year and I'd say to him, you've heard me tell this before but it's my sermon, I want to hear it again. (laughs) Grandpa, you say every year we're going to have a great harvest. How do you know we're going to have a great harvest? And he'd always come back with the same answer. Son, this is good old Mississippi Delta soil. You you could plant a a stick in here and next year it'd be a tree. I believed him, you know. (laughs) But we did have good crops every year. And Grandpa took a lot of it to town and sold it. So it not only was provision, uh, he, he, he fed the cattle with a lot of it. He fed us with a lot of it. He fed our neighbors with a lot of it, neighbors that didn't have uh, uh, produce or, or crops. And he'd allow them to come and get some if they needed it. And so it was for provision. He planted seed for provision. Look at your neighbor and say, you plant seed for provision. That doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure that out. Amen? You plant seed for provision. This was God's way of doing things. Remember now, Matthew six thirty three. Seek, aim at, strive after God's way of doing. 
That's what we're doing this morning. We're striving after God's way of doing things. And he says that the way you experience provision or the way you will have your life sustained is through the seeds that you sow. My life is sustained by the seeds I sow. Your life is sustained by the seeds you sow. The only way that your life could be sustained by the seeds I sow is if I share some of my crop with you, some of my harvest with you, which that's what I do. uh, the, The Bible says, God told Abraham, I will bless you and you will be a blessing. I will empower you to prosper and through your prosperity, you'll be able to bless others. What are the qualities that position someone to receive God's best? How can you develop these in your walk with God and move to a higher level of God's blessing and goodness? Today's special offer, the Life God Rewards Package, contains Jerry Savelle's eye-opening book, Every Day a Blessing Day, his mini-book, Living Up to God's Expectations for Your Life, and the revealing three-part audio series, The Life God Blesses. So many Christians today want God's best, but they aren't willing to do what it requires. God desires to do above and beyond in your life, but it won't happen automatically. In this package, Jerry teaches why some will miss God's best, what opens the door to blessing, and how prosperity is God's idea. Don't delay. Call or go online now to jerrysavelle.org and request your copy of the Life God Rewards special package. Discover the qualities God is looking for and become a person that God loves to bless. Are you enjoying the broadcast? I want to hear from you. Let me know that these messages are being a blessing to you. We are encouraged by your letters and we thank you for taking the time to write to us or calling the ministry and just letting us know that what you're hearing is encouraging you, inspiring you, and we're believing that it's taking your faith to a higher level. We're talking about this broadcast and in some future broadcasts, the life that God rewards. God wants to bless you. God wants to reward you for your faithfulness and you have every right to expect it because that's what the Bible says. God blesses the faithful. If you're one of the faithful, then you can count on being blessed by God. And if you will dare believe it, you can experience blessings from God each and every day of your life. That's part of the resource package we have planned for you this time. My book entitled, Every Day a Blessing Day. Every Day a Blessing Day. I like to say, I get up every morning expecting blessings to come my way in some way. Sometimes they seem to be just small things that happen. Sometimes they are major things that happen. But I get up every day expecting today to be my blessing day. Get up confessing that today is my receiving day. It's my blessing day. Right along with it, three CDs entitled The Life That God Blesses. How to get in position to receive the blessings of God. He wants to bless you coming in, going out in the city and in the field. Every place you go, God has blessings waiting for you there. And then finally, this little book, Living Up to God's Expectations for Your Life. God wants you to be faithful. He wants you to persevere. He is expecting you to never give up on his promises. And if you determine that you never give up and you refuse to quit, 
then you can expect God to honor your commitment. Amen? So if you're interested in these resources, go to jerryseville.org or just look on the screen right now and all the ordering information is available to you. Place your order right away and be sure to join me again next week as we continue this study on the life that God rewards. I'll see you then.